Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zylstra and Karen Nowitz. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. Over the past year, Arizona has gained global recognition for its thriving technology ecosystem, despite being on the tail end of a pandemic and facing supply chain challenges. Arizona has rapidly become an epicenter for electrical vehicles, semiconductor manufacturing, and many other rising industries. In fact, the growing number of technology companies calling Arizona home, as well as an increase of available jobs and competitive wages, are cementing Arizona's role as a vibrant technology hub. Welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm your host, Karen Nowicki, and I'd like to welcome you to AZ TechCast, sponsored by Arizona Technology. Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcast monthly, AZ TechCast invites tech and business experts to have real conversations about what's happening across the state of Arizona. AZ TechCast discusses the critical issues, topics, and trends propelling the state's growing ecosystem. And with that, let's give a warm welcome to today's featured guests. We have Chris Camacho, President and CEO of the Greater Phoenix Economic Council. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Glad to have you here. And welcome back, Joe Snell, President and CEO of Sun Corridor. It's been a while. Happy to see you again. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. And Vic, I failed to ask how to pronounce your last name, so if you'll say it for me. Sure, Narusis. Narusis. Good afternoon, Karen. I would have butchered that, so I'm so glad I, I asked you to do that. Welcome, sir. Senior VP of Business Development with Arizona Commerce Authority, also one of our sponsors. We're really pleased to have you today. Thank you. Excellent. And without further ado, let me also introduce to you Steve Zalstra, my partner here once a month on Arizona TechCast. How are you doing, Steve? Great. Always good to see you, Karen. Thrilled to have you. So we're going to reflect on the obstacles and the victories of Arizona's economic development and growth in 2021, and we're going to predict what's to come in 2022. We have a lot of interesting content to cover, so let's just dive in. And to start, let's make sure that our audience and our listeners know who each of you are, and we can go in whatever order makes sense, uh, whoever wants to be brave and jump in. Just briefly introduce yourselves and the role that you and your organization play here for Arizona and our technology ecosystem. Who'd like to start for us? I can start. All right. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, uh, Joe Snell. I'm president and CEO of Sun Corridor, Inc., uh, regional economic development group uh, serving Southern Arizona. You know, we have a pretty straightforward mission, uh, and that is to create wealth through the attraction and expansion of primary industries. A third element of uh, our organization, though, is you know, making sure we're in a position to win by by planning uh, uh, and, and really promoting the the startup of of new uh, entrepreneurial ventures. So uh, governed by a 72 member board and uh, work very closely with the the other gentlemen on the panel. Thanks for kicking it off. Well, gentlemen's a very liberal uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, introduction there, Joe, but thanks for uh, thanks for having us, uh, Karen and Steve and uh, Chris Camacho, I'm the president and CEO of Greater Phoenix Economic Council. Uh, our mission, similar to Joe's, is to recruit uh, 
you know, top level enterprises from around the globe to, to greater Phoenix. And uh, we drive the brand strategy for the market. So the brand strategy is inclusive of uh, ensuring you know, earned media as well as uh, positive uh, influential messaging put out about the market. And a third layer of what we do is also focused on championing the region's competitive position. And as Joe described also, a lot goes into that from everything from you know, state economic policy to ensuring modern infrastructure and uh, the requisite workforce and some of the attributes that are required for companies to want to not only move here, but also grow here uh, are what we all work on together. So again, thanks for having us and I'll kick it over to you, Vic. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Vic Narusa, Senior Vice President of the Arizona Commerce Authority. The Arizona Commerce Authority is a statewide economic development agency. We work very closely every day with Chris and Joe and other regional economic development agencies throughout the state, as well as, as the communities themselves, um, our educational partners, whether they be um, at the high school, community college, or four-year level. Um, we work closely with utilities as well. Um, we really work to identify and help ensure that our existing businesses have all they need to be successful. Um, and then for those businesses that are looking to come here to Arizona, and it seems to be a path that is beating the door down right now, we work with them closely to really understand what their business needs are and really provide that business solution in the long term. I'm responsible for the team that works with those businesses every day. I also have managerial responsibilities for our foreign offices in Mexico, Israel, and now in Germany. And kind of the fun part is I also have oversight responsibilities for our film office. So um, look forward to uh, sharing more with you as uh, we talk through the hour here. Thank you, Karen and Steve. Absolutely. Vic, did you say your film office? Yes. Yeah. Can you just speak briefly to that? I know we've talked about it on a couple of other episodes, but I want to make sure our listeners know that that's an aspect of what y'all are focusing on. Yeah. So for you, those of you that might be old like me, um, you might you may remember the day when Westerns ruled television and a lot of the movies. And the vast majority of that was was filmed here in the Southwest and, and most of it in Arizona. People's tastes changed. And we saw a lot of that go to what we see today. You, you know, the New York series, the Chicago series, the L.A. series. Um, we're working diligently to use the resources we have to try to bring back that media. That media has changed significantly from film to digital. And there's a great deal of technology behind it where there wasn't before. And we're starting to make significant inroads in bringing that technology side of the film business here to Arizona, where they're struggling with costs and staffing in the LA market. So it, it, there are some new exciting time emerges, uh, emerging here for us in Arizona and a rebirth of that film industry. So good. You may have anticipated speaking to that a little bit later. So please, add, you know, bring it, bring, bring it back around. But I didn't want to miss that opportunity to make sure our listeners knew what you were speaking to. And I know all of you are familiar with Steve and there's Arizona Technology Council. But for our listeners who might be coming on for the first time here to listen to one of you, we want to make sure that they also know about the great work that Steve and his team are up to. So, Steve, please introduce yourself and your organization's plural. Thank you, Karen. Steve Zylstrom, President and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. We're also a statewide organization. We have offices in both Tucson and uh, Phoenix. We have about 750 uh, member companies distributed across the state. We do public policy advocacy on behalf of the tech industry uh, with the state legislature, with the Arizona Corporation Commission, and with the congressional delegation. 
Uh, we do uh, over 150 events a year. This week, we just finished uh, two events yesterday, so uh, sort of wrapping it up for the year. We have a number of publications, including something valuable to the economic developers, the Arizona Technology Industry Impact Report, which measures everything you can measure about the growing tech uh, ecosystem. I have a magazine called Tech Connect, a newsletter called Tech Talk, a couple of podcasts. In addition to this one, we have a Tech Focus, which focuses on tech leaders. And uh, then we um, negotiate lower cost products and services on behalf of our members. We have a, uh, for instance, 401k program. Even if you had three or five employees, you could offer them a 401k through our multiple employer plan. And we run an association health plan with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona, providing medical, dental, vision, life, disability, HSA, FSA, COBRA administration, et cetera. So full service trade association uh, serving technology-based uh, companies in Arizona. Excellent. And I'd like to start with the first question. Please. Uh, this last year has been uh, in some ways a, a recovery from the previous year, which was, you know, we were shut down for a while, going through the experience of, uh, of a pandemic, very difficult times. The tech industry, by the way, uh, based on our data, continued to grow through the pandemic and really took off again in, uh, in 2021. Can each of you sort of look back and uh, talk about some of the challenges that uh, were faced by industry and by economic development organizations and some of the really exciting wins that uh, occurred over the course of the last year? Chris, why don't we start with you? Yeah, well, the last year feels like a blur, I'm sure, to all of us because it's uh, it was very challenging and, and in most often cases, I think the economic development discipline, uh, much like small businesses, were you know, driven to new uh, new areas that uh, historically we hadn't spent a lot of time in. So I'll start with small business resiliency, and certainly, uh, you know, what we observed through second and third quarter of the the pandemic in 2020 was that the access to capital was you know, of supreme need for survival. You know, Arizona's main base of industry is small business, and we saw very significant challenges to our Main Street businesses across our communities, and I'm sure around the state. And you know, so there was a tremendous amount of partnership that, I, that was you know, orchestrated between the Tech Council, ACA. Many organizations came together to help address the delivery system around the Paycheck Protection Program. Well, I think everyone would say it was imperfect in that a significant amount of resource coming through and supported by Congress, then dispersed, you know, directly to the banks in, in the first and second rounds. It's a very complex process to actually get to the uh, those small businesses that were in, in the most uh, need. And so, in, in many respects, that was your small business entrepreneurs and the minority communities. And so, we're reaching out to CDFIs and other peer organizations, different hat from our normalized experience of recruiting, you know, some of the top global companies to uh, the market. This was a total inverse experience, but we realized back then how important to getting these kind of small businesses because of the employee base and certainly, you know, small businesses being the lifeblood of our community, how critical that was. Now, if you fast forward, you know, to where we stood about a, in, in third quarter of this, uh, uh, in this year, in 2021, in August, Trader Phoenix experienced full recovery from the jobs impact. So the 242,000 uh, or so jobs that were lost, you know, we sped back into that and I give the governor a lot of credit. Certainly, the teams here on the line work collaboratively around the state to ensure that 
not only are we recruiting companies because that's what we'll continue to do, but cultivating an environment that enables these companies to, to be successful. And I think we were on the building blocks of that. Uh, I know also Quebec, and Joe probably remembers this, you know, but 2008, nine and 10 and 11 were really hard for our state. You know, we went 17 quarters to recovery in the last great recession. And so I think we learned a lot from that and really began to be intentional around base industries and exports and innovation, all the infrastructure, Steve, that your team has built. I believe between the last governor and this governor now, you know, we're in a unique spot. One of the most interesting dynamic markets across the country is now here. If you look at the venture capital placement uh, that's occurred, nearly a billion dollars just in the fourth quarter alone. And some of the hottest startups in PropTech, for example, like Mosaic to Lesson to, I can name a, a, you know, a dozen of these firms are not just now being launched, but they're doing A, B, C rounds in our marketplace. And, you know, a lot of us have talked for years about, you know, how we can't rely on recruitment to drive our economic disposition. It has to be built, uh, you know, from our base. And I'm proud to see that that's happened. So, you know, one final thing I'll, I'll say, and then I'll give up the mic to the rest of the partners here is, you know, we've been focused on not just this, this term economic resiliency, but also I believe this next phase is going to be this anti-fragility moment, which is, you know, not just about recovery. It's about how do you smooth out when you have these inorganic or organic shocks to the national economy? How does a region or a state's economy become resilient against those shocks, absorb them, but continue to, to grow and evolve? And, and I would tell you, we're shifting to that next plane you know, while we're building these industry strategies as, as directly as we are, and hence the, the Build Back Better grant that, uh, you know, our state, there were three organizations that were focused on this work that received these resources from the federal government. Uh, we're going to make a major healthcare move here in Metro Phoenix that we're really excited about. So I'll pause there so I don't suck the oxygen out of the room today, but there's a lot to be excited about for all of us. Karen, I, I just want to mention that GPAC represents 22 or 23 cities that make up Greater Phoenix. And we'll go to Joe next. Uh, Joe represents the Tucson, Greater Tucson area, but some additional counties as well in Southern Arizona. So Joe, tell us what, what was going on in Tucson this year. Chris covered a, a large majority of uh, what I want to talk about, but he did it eloquently. So that's good. He's right. You know, 2020, seeing the transition, we all know it was it was defined by business closures, shutdowns, uncertainties. So in, in, in this last year, we've begun to see the, the sort of the beginning of the return to normal in, in Arizona. I have to tell you, and I, and I say that about Arizona, I just got back. I've been traveling a lot lately. Just got back from Washington, D.C., and, and I really do think that we're in a unique position in Arizona. It feels, you know, you, you, you visit these other places and they, they feel like they were where we were in June of 2020 in some ways, uh, the way their economy is operating. And, and so uh, maybe in this case, it's good to be in a little bit of a bubble. And I think the West uh, just, just intuitively is feeling uh, healthier than the East at, at this point. For us, you know, we saw major changes though in 2021, the, the worker shortage dilemma really popped out where where uh, we had a great year actually we had a lot of companies moving in um, and but the the number one driver was can we find talent and we knew those shortages that were playing out nationally were definitely impacting things locally uh, really a shift in power to the labor side of things uh, the other thing that stood out for me during that time was that the remote workers are here to stay 
We, we saw that because of the necessity of the pandemic in 2020 when we were locked down, but they're not going anywhere. And, and I can tell you at Sun Corridor, we've been doing a little bit of this as a small organization going back 10 years. It's, it's just, I think no one's going back to the old days. And, and I think for us, it's been pretty productive. Uh, we saw uh, in, in talking to our companies down here, the, you could see the investment because of the rise of automation. Uh, robotics. Uh, with these lack of workers, uh, we're seeing major trends uh, starting in 2021. I won't jump into 2022 where uh, these companies are, are uh, how can we do this without uh, people if we can't find them? So a lot of investment going in. And then as Chris said, we saw down here an explosion of new business startups, record levels for us. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they've had a dream of being an entrepreneur and uh, we saw a lot of that in 2021. So for me, the differences were pretty stark between 21 and and, and 20. And and I'll leave it at that because I'm sure Vic's got more to add. Yeah, Yeah, Vic, Vic, you have a statewide uh, purview and uh, that means, you know, most of Arizona is a a rural community. Uh, You know, you represent all the major cities, but uh, you have a rural perspective as well. So can you tell us how you saw things uh, unfold in 2021? Yeah, both Joe and and Chris mentioned some great points, which freed me up to talk about what's been a very hot topic recently, but we saw very obviously um, almost as soon as the pandemic began, and that's supply chain issues. And, And Joe's comment about there are other areas of the country so far behind us. It's amazing. I was in San Jose last week uh, in the middle of a business day, and it was a ghost town. The, the restaurants remained shut down. Uh, very few people on the streets. Virtually everyone apparently working remotely. And, and you just, you, you look at that compared to what we have here, and, and certainly we still have and will have a robust remote workforce, but our economy has, as Chris mentioned, has completely rebounded when it comes to employment now. But it's that supply chain, I think, that is uh, one of the significant differences between 2020 and 2021. We saw um, very early on threats to supply chain occur because of the pandemic. And we began to shift our focus away from what had been very successful for us at the Arizona Commerce Authority and bringing in very high paying office jobs for many years. Um, We began to focus much more uh, and almost exclusively on high-tech manufacturing um, and in particular sectors where Arizona lines up well, not just in the Phoenix area or the Tucson area, but across the entire state. So it's it's areas like semiconductor or next-gen transportation, whether it's in the air or on the ground, batteries, and, what's, and, and how that's just affecting so many things around the world. And then you tie the geopolitical concerns going on around the world further impacting supply chain. It has created for us a level of economic activity, not only in the metropolitan areas, but around the entire state that we have not seen in our careers. And it is exciting times. We are literally at a point where our activities in the past year and the next two or three years going forward will significantly transform what the state of Arizona looks like for the next decade or two. I think what that also did was it brought us together as economic development, as business, as education, as utilities, even closer. We are known across the country for our collaboration. And and I think sometimes we take that for granted, but it's because of that collaboration, people come to this state. 
for the fourth year out of the last six, Maricopa County is the fastest growing county in the country. And while there are workforce challenges around the country, a growing population is the foundation of a growing workforce. And we have one of the most amazing stories to tell with a growing population that fuels that workforce, but tying that together with our educational partners at the high school, community college and four-year level puts us at such an advantage compared to so many places around the country, not only to attract businesses, but to allow our existing businesses here to grow and thrive as well. So um, the pandemic accelerated so many things and it brought out the best in us here that really make us known for some of the most unique things in the country. Are there any other challenges that you guys hadn't highlighted in though that kind of look back uh, that we were forced to face in 2021? Are there any that we that you think of that we need to highlight? I would say there's one that's uh, it's still looming. It's still an issue is uh, the connectedness of uh, predominantly low-income families to broadband. You know, that was certainly underscored by COVID and lack of access. And again, I think the state's done a lot of uh, you know, programmatic and investment infrastructure to help drive against that. But this is not an Arizona-only issue, but you look at it, urban and rural, but even dense urban low-income households. Um, I think that was a wake-up call for many in the school districts as well that, you know, we were seeing across the country, but also here in our hometowns, you know, these uh, these families having to drive to Starbucks or McDonald's to garner access to uh, the broadband or, or Wi-Fi to perform homework duties. And it's hard to believe in a, in the country we live in, that's what we're dealing with. So, you know, I know there's a lot of programmatic work underway, but to, to you know, further what Vic said, I think about how this market can tackle key issues. And I think that that also then drives into the work we're doing in education innovation. And without inherent and direct collaboration, none of this could be done. And so, you know, the fact that when I, I remember is probably the first part of the second quarter in 2020, I was talking with Chad Guestin about, you know, Phoenix Union High School District and, and how real was this? How real was this issue for high school students? And he said, Chris, you know, this is, you know, just think about if we don't do this well, this could be two or three years setback. And, you know, in, in terms of you know, not having prepared students to move on through the high school ranks. And so, you know, again, I just, I applaud Greater Phoenix uh, Chamber of Commerce, for example, many other partner organizations that came together to do hardware drives, but then also Cox and many other organizations stepped up to address that digital divide. And it wasn't just a buzzword that was overused. It's something that I saw with City of Phoenix and many other organizations to, uh, you know, to address the issues. And that's, again, I think that's what we're all about. So great. Yeah, the Tech Council actually did a hardware drive uh, as well among our members, and uh, the tech industry was incredible in you know providing masks, uh, setting up manufacturing, offering manufacturing space for PPE and and things of that sort in both uh, Phoenix uh, and Tucson. Uh, Vic, uh, we have we work very closely with uh, Jeff Sabaka, and uh, you know talking about collaboration and. Uh, we really do have some uh, incredible funding coming our way. Some of it's already been uh, released, I think uh, $100 million and uh, Jeff's having to hire a deputy and uh, there's gonna be a lot of activity in the broadband space uh, over the next uh, three to five years. Yeah, that broadband, is, that broadband is gonna be transformative for the rural areas in particular not only as it relates to education, but healthcare, um, employment, right? Um, we've seen how remote employment can work and it will certainly um, bring that 
to remote areas of the state in a way that you know just isn't practical right now. So the broadband initiative, we've had some in the past, but this is this is a big spend, and it it is going to be transformative for our rural areas. It's it's um we're working on every front to uh, identify all the opportunities and programs uh, possible to to lift up all areas of the state, and this broadband is going to be immense for that in the rural areas. Maybe each of you can uh, speak to somewhat. What were some of the big wins that you had? I've heard uh, over and over that the pipeline has never been fuller with uh, companies looking at Arizona. And I could think of dozens of uh, announcements over the last year. Can each of you sort of speak about um, what were the big wins in your region? Let's start with Joe. Yeah, okay, Steve, thanks. Yeah, and I think collectively we all, we're tracking the best year, frankly, we've had in, Ten years, so and, and it's great. Um, you know, it, it goes back a, a little bit. You know, from the Raytheon choosing Tucson for its headquarters to Too Simple, the autonomous trucking company, choosing Arizona to to to, to expand and do major presence, gives a positive nod to the innovation that's going on here, the technology landscape, to the the policies created by the by the governor. Just recently, Leonardo, which is a uh, uh, an Italian defense firm, uh, and really doubling down, investing a lot of money in, in, in Tucson. Uh, one of the, uh, two of the projects that we were really thrilled with was uh, uh, BD, committing to build a major uh, manufacturing and, and, and cleaning syringes as part of the COVID effort here in Tucson. That was, that was a great uh, project. Uh, and then um, the one that was the most unique for us was Sandvik Medical uh, that chose Tucson uh, for their operation. Uh, what was so unique about it, it, it was a virtual site selection. They never put a foot on the ground, never once. They did the entire site selection through Zoom uh, and, and remotely. And I've never seen that before. I don't know about uh, Vic or Chris, but I hadn't seen anybody not put boots on the ground. So we think that was pretty unique. So a very good year across the board for us. And, you know, for us, though, the, the real issue is how do we get ahead of it a little bit? How do we anticipate where things are going? And I think Chris leaned into that for a minute and hope we get a chance to talk about that a little bit. So yeah, one uh, other one I was thinking of is uh, Edmund Optics. Maybe. Edmund Optics, yeah. yes. I didn't... Uh, they're a member of the Tech Council and Leonardo's a member of the Tech Council. So. I'm sovereign. I mean, we had a great year. Yeah. There's been a long list of them. Yeah. Yeah. Chris? Well, Joe, unfortunately, we did not get any virtual visits. We were on the ground, hand-to-hand <laughs> combat, you know, in the dead of summer. Nothing like doing a, a sales a mission or a, a visit uh, in July or August here. But yeah, there was, I think, 50 plus companies uh, that moved into the Metro Phoenix region that generated about $13 billion of investment and just around 10,000 phase one jobs. I mean, it's obviously, I think many of us were shocked. I remember putting together the budget uh, and, and talking with the board about expectations uh, in, in the Q2 realm in 2020, and no one would have expected the industrial technology world. Uh, to blossom like it did. I think we were all predicting some level of office slowdown, even though we did have a handful of office dues uh, still sneak through. But you know, I think the biggest one that, that Vic and our team and you know, with ACA, the team worked on was TSMC. And that's just a, a major juggernaut for our state, for our country. A lot of years of, of blood, sweat and tears went into that project. A lot of partners that worked on that deal. So what that's done though, is crystallize our global reputation. And then certainly is driving about another two dozen supply chain companies evaluating the market now. And it's not just Metro Phoenix. I mean, they're dipping into Pinal and other uh, locations around the state with the supply chain interest. And then beyond that, 
you're also seeing a lot of lateral company interest in the semiconductor vein as well. So, you know, since Intel's $20 billion expansion and then TSMC's investment, the market's now on a global stage where companies probably that historically wouldn't have put us on the map are now putting us on the map. And that's why Vic and his team are, you know, probably boiling over, right, Vic, in terms of field demand and trying to stay ahead of, you know, who's on first, to be quite honest. And so, you know, that's that's a good challenge to have. But some of these other projects, I mean, e-commerce companies, to you know, other advanced manufacturers, the list, you know, M. Lilly is a, a manufacturer that put a, an investment in the West Valley company like Brooklyn Betting continues to expand here. Um, Anuncia is a, a Boston-based firm that expanded here in the Scottsdale. So a lot of biomedical, a lot of med device. Uh, Joe talked about a few of those. Uh, our markets are one of the, the hottest young bioscience sector growth markets in the United States, which is pretty exciting. Just the sheer deal flow, I think we're managing right now about 252 projects, not about exact 252 in our pipeline and about 70% of those are industrial technologies and 30% in our office. And so the big crystal ball question is, you know, what happens with office? And I'll give you some thoughts on that as we get to the next section, but that's uh, that's still a big one for our market. We have very dense CD, CBDs here. And so they're obviously eager to see that uh, office recovery. Occur. I'm happy to say that uh, TSMC is uh, now a proud member of the Tech Council as well. Uh, Vic, what about a statewide perspective on uh, what were the big deals for ACA? I, I think some of these have been mentioned, but I, maybe I want to talk about them in a bit of a different way. Intel and TSMC, um, both some of the most significant players in the semiconductor market in the world, they selected to either come here or expand creating what is arguably the most dense semiconductor sector in the country and one of the fastest growing in the world. Sometimes these conversations sound a little nerdy and clinical about economic development, but the real issue behind TSMC and Intel is that's 5,000 plus very good paying jobs with immense career opportunities. Just think 5,000 families um, are going to be better off because of, of those two projects, it, it is incredibly powerful. And then you think about all the supply chain companies that are following them. It, in and of themselves, those are billions of dollars of investment and thousands of employees. So it, it, those two are, are very much setting our future forward. And I know we're gonna talk more about the future, but Intel and TSMC, huge wins, right? But you know, in battery, uh, another uh, sector that we are looking to become dominant in here um, there really isn't a dominant area in the country. It's it's really spread. Um, we were uh, fortunate in, in working with our partners to bring core power here, um, large battery manufacturer and a firm named Lifecycle. Um, they recycle batteries. I mean, we think about battery production, but what happens to them after they're used, right? So there's a whole ecosystem that builds in around battery. Um, and uh, I, I wish I could share more details, but we're, we're working on some other very exciting projects in the battery sector that, that we believe are going to really um, uh, put us on the map as, as an important um, dense sector here in the country. And then uh, some of the, the, the wins in the next gen mobility. Um, it includes EV for sure, electric vehicles, electromechanica up in Flagstaff or Lucid, you know, down uh, in, in, in the Coolidge area. Um, but then we've got zero electric vehicles growing here on the south side of the metropolitan area, and CP Technologies, a firm that is aerospace and defense, but with 
a great deal of technology embedded in it, a lot of unmanned capabilities um, locating up in Flagstaff. So it's not just in the metropolitan areas as we talked about, it's, it's occurring around the state. And, 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 and I have to say that we have taken great efforts at the ACA um, when, when we get inquiries about projects to really understand what the companies are trying to solve for when they're looking to come here. It's, everybody knows about Phoenix, um, but what about all the other areas of the state? We really dive in hard to make sure we understand what their needs are and then work with our communities around the state where those good, good matches are that companies don't necessarily think of. So hopefully much more to come in the non-metropolitan areas throughout the state. We've had some great successes and we look forward to more. Yeah, and CP is a member, of course, up in uh, Prescott. And Prescott, uh, yeah. uh, of course, uh, you didn't mention Nicola, which is really making some great progress too, actually in Coolidge. Quickly tell you my lucid story. So I was there when they first came to the state. I was there when they broke ground. And then um, I got invited to the recent opening that where they showcased the facility. I was the first person outside an employee of the company to drive one of the vehicles. The, the top end dream, I think it is. And uh, what an incredible incredible vehicle. Some of you know I have a Corvette, which is zero to 60 in 2.8 <laughs> seconds. That vehicle's 2.5 seconds. Oh. It's unbelievable. Well, and, and it's amazing what they're doing down there at Lucid, right? Car of the year. Unbelievable. I mean, put us on the map, right? Yeah, no, Motor Trend uh, Car of the Year. And 500 and some, 520, I think, is the... Um, is the range of the vehicle, which is incredible for an electric vehicle. Uh, Karen, you want to sort of begin taking us into the future and uh, talking about uh, what's ahead of us? Absolutely. Let's do that uh, in just a moment. Before we do, I always promise our sponsors that we'll have an opportunity to hear from them. And we're grateful to have Vic with us, again, Senior VP of Business Development with Arizona Commerce Authority. So let's hear from his team. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities, to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high-quality living that makes life better here. Well, welcome. 
welcome back. All right, let's talk about the future and forecasting. I'm just going to leave it wide open and let each of you share with you your perspective of what we have ahead for us. You've dropped a few little hints here and there. Uh, and even mentioned Vic said, I, I wish I could tell you more. So I'm, I, I was left leaning in. Uh, so let's just go around again. And Steve, I'd love for you to participate as well as you do each time. Where are we headed and what are you excited about? Let's start in southern Arizona and we'll move up to Phoenix and then statewide. <laughs> Who knows? The crystal ball on my desk doesn't work. Uh, I found that out years ago. But uh, uh, you know what I think we're looking at in, in 2022 is as I you know, I think we're going to see another strong uh, year of growth for us. I really do. I think we've got the, the right assets in place uh, to continue to see those trends occur. Uh, we do know, and, and from my perspective, that remote working is going to continue. And uh, we've got some stuff to figure out around that. Uh, labor shortages, I still think, are going to plague us, at least through the first half of uh, 2022. Uh, what I don't know about, and there's smarter guys on the panel than me, is inflation. Uh, it, it's really could hamper uh, all of us if it's not short-lived, like some of the leading economists uh, uh, predict. And then the, the supply chain, I think the bottleneck should should ease over some time. From our standpoint, though, you know, when, when we look at that, who knows, you know, what the future really um, holds. We put together something called the Pivot Playbook, which uh, we brought together an extremely diverse set of leaders, uh, really statewide, to, to, to look about, you know, how can we compete post-COVID world? And the reality is the strategies really run the gamut from tourism to improving our infrastructure, all that. It, you know, and, and so I think what we really need to look at going down the road, if we're gonna, we need to look at shaping 2022 and beyond a little bit in our control. I just got back from D.C., met with the White House Business Council, some of the leaders out there and uh, to try to get our hands on this. But we have, I think as Vic or Chris said, we have an enormous amount of money coming down the road to all of us. It, it, uh, unprecedented money that can transform our economies. And I tell you, in southern Arizona, that, that's one of the things we're looking at is where do we put that money? What's the priority? Beyond Build Back Better, I, I mean, the, the latest round of the EDA monies, the, the future monies, if those come, we have got to look at issues, uh, you know, if it's infrastructure, where's the biggest bang for our buck? Because I can tell you that that's something we need is to improve our infrastructure in Southern Arizona, whether that be rail, broadband, highways, all infrastructure defined many ways. So I think it could be a great year for us if we're smart enough, and I, and I think we all are collectively to uh, you know, not play hockey where the, and, and skate to where uh, uh, the puck is, but anticipate where it's going to be and skate to that. So I think that's that's the challenge we're going to face. Uh, Joe, I've been uh, thinking about the bipartisan infrastructure package, and one of the things I'm hoping is that some of that funding will go toward fixing the potholes in Tucson. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me, me too, Steve. Uh, but yeah, there's. And there's big implications with that, uh, uh, with the airport, with, you know, we talk about linking Phoenix and Tucson for years. You know, we're going to need a connector in some ways. And I know I've come up with crazy ideas. Maybe it's time for a super regional airport or, or something like that. You know, I think it, the, the point is that that's probably not a good thought, but we need to sit back and as a state and and start thinking about what what propels us in the next 50 years going forward. Because Chris in the onslaught talked about, you know, over-dependency on the uh, too few of industries makes us very vulnerable when these uh, recession periods hit. And, and I know we're, we're, you know, we got hit hard this last few years because we have a hard, high reliance on tourism. Hasn't come back yet. It's starting to, you know, things are really improving. But 
Uh, we have got to look at industries that will shape us that are resilient for the for the, the uh, that can mitigate the down cycles over time. Chris, what about Phoenix? Yeah, there's a lot there that Joe referenced, but I, I think it starts uh, with I, I think the projections are we'll see probably three and a half to four percent GDP growth uh, here in the region. So it'll feel really, really strong um, for the next at least I think four quarters, maybe six. I think some of that hinges on how active the Fed is and the pullback and tapering. If you see you know, the Fed deciding not to you know, backstop the corporate bond market and you see the three-phase interest rate move uh, with the attempt to address inflation, I do think there you'll see, uh, to Joe's point about the transitory inflation, I think that's a moment in time. I don't think this, this stays long-term. Uh, but to the point about supply chain disruption, I mean, I, I see very, very important implications that could arise for the, the Arizona and Mexico relationship. If you look at LA Long Beach ports, you know, the congestion that, that still exists there and it's predicted to exist for another at least two quarters, there's going to be opportunities, I think, to fortify the North American competitiveness position in part as the US and China try to figure out how we'll work together in the future or not work together in the future. And then you have you know, other parts of the APEC supply chain needing to get, uh, albeit consumer products or supply chain products into uh, our US companies. And that bottleneck, I think, creates tremendous opportunities in the four or five ports in Mexico that uh, AMLO has been talking about upgrading. So, you know, there's tremendous, I think, near-term potential. When I say near-term, I think the next decade or decade and a half opportunity for Mexico to play a vital role in, in how we compete, uh, you know, globally. Uh, as a as a manufacturing mecca, and you know, as as Vic would underscore the importance for Lucid Motors, Steve, as you mentioned, you know, having that base of Sonoran auto suppliers and contract manufacturing capacity, you know, made this market really interesting for them, among other reasons. So, you know, I think that's ahead. I, I guess what do concerns me, or what still concerns me, if you're not a homeowner already, is the Case Shiller projections another 20 to 30 percent above and beyond the 30 percent we had. Growth over this last year and appreciation, so that's going to get harder and harder uh, for our community in terms of you know, livable wages along with attainable housing. So I think that nexus will be create something we really haven't seen at scale before. Um, and I'd say on the positive side, the tailwind. You know, I'm not so focused on like population growth. I think that's an additive and helpful aspect of the economy, but we are seeing a pretty dramatic shift in you know the technology war around. You know, areas like we talked about industrial technology, AI, I won't get deep into those now, but these other areas like in, in software and prop tech and, and med tech that I do believe, as Joe described, much more virtual, much more remote, um, having the lifestyle attributes we have, I think are going to play to our advantage. So you have this really unique kind of puzzle that we're putting together. And just last week, if you're interested, any of the, the audience is interested, we held the second of a, of a two-phase uh, forum focused on uh, kind of the economic imperatives of the market and what are the next you know, 10 years worth of steps we need to make to fortify kind of the broader economy. Some of them are anchored in education and Title I schools, while others are talking about the environmental resiliency. These are all issues that we're going to have to tackle and probably more realistically at the regional level or hyper-local level where, where cities, you know, obviously are the rubber meets the road at that point. So it's going to take that unity and collaboration that was discussed to tackle these issues head on. But I will tell you, I think it was mentioned Go travel somewhere else. As hard as we think we have it, go travel to another economy and talk what they're you know, talk about what they're dealing with in Tampa. Talk about what they're dealing with in Columbus, Ohio. 
you know, some of these places we, we kind of take for granted the tailwinds that we have. I keep thinking about, I got to remain positive while trying to be constructive and working with our partners here. We want to build a world-class economy that's inclusive enough so everyone can access prosperity opportunity. So that's what I think is the most exciting part of our job is we get to participate in that. One of the things you mentioned is the ports. Uh, I serve on the Arizona District Export Council. Worked uh, very hard on the last couple of years on trying to get the ports open, but I can tell you there are uh, several ports where all the planning, uh, all the design, everything's been completed. And as soon as that um, funding starts to flow, work will begin uh, because all the pre-planning has been done. And uh, we're going to have some uh, world-class uh, ports on uh, Arizona's border as a consequence of that. Of course, we have to get our partners in Mexico to, to support that as well, which can sometimes be difficult, but uh, I, I'm uh, excited about that opportunity. Vic, big yeah. projects in 2021. You know, I, and, I, I, and the, I'm sorry. We're focused on 2022 now. What, <laughs> what are your predictions? Yeah, I think 2022 is going to look a lot like 2021 did. I, I think, though, we learned a lot of important lessons in 2021. I think a lot of us were flying the plane as we were building it. And it was all very challenging for many of us to find the, the ways to move forward in, in a highly productive manner in being efficient. I know the businesses that we uh, spoken with were in the same, same boat. Um, I, I think 2022 will be at least as strong as 2021. Um, I know from our pipeline, we've got over 250 projects that we're working on um, as well. And, and our pipeline has never been as strong. The number of large projects is multitudes of what we've ever seen in any single previous year before. And the economy doesn't revolve around large projects by any stretch of the imagination, but, but it's those select large projects that do bring in supply chain and bring in opportunities for us to bring businesses to Arizona in the supply chain that might that, that otherwise just wouldn't come because there isn't a supplier here, right? And, and, and when we're really focused our activities in trying to locate those supply chain companies in our rural areas so that, so that it's not just Metropolitan Phoenix or Metropolitan Tucson that turn out to be the big winners, but it's it's the state overall. So um, uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of the same. I think it'll be even busier. Um, you know, last year we were involved in the creation of more than twenty five thousand jobs. Um, we will, I know, exceed that this year. We're already ahead of our our pace from last year. It, it will be another strong year. There there will be challenges. I think it has been have been identified. Um, workforce will be a challenge here, but it's a challenge everywhere. I think we're uniquely positioned um, uh, among probably the strongest areas of the country to be able to deliver workforce, um, not only in number, but, but in the types that are needed. I, I, I got to tell you, we, we have an educational system here that gets it uh, far more than just about any other state in the country. Um, and, and we have educational systems that are at scale that are like no other educational systems in the country. Just as an example, Maricopa Community College, 200,000 enrolled in, 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 the, in the system, right? No larger community college system in the country. That's critically important for these, these companies that are looking to increasingly have that technology-oriented production workforce, the, and, and they, they find that they have to go to multitudes 
of community colleges in other markets to get that done. And unfortunately, in most areas of the country, there's not that history of working together like we have here to be able to deliver that workforce. So, and, and then certainly ASU, U of A, Northern, all the other four-year universities, they're, they're, um, uh, what, what they do at scale um, and the quality and the focus in working with business, not only on the educational side, but on the research side, is, is going to position us, I think, to be far more resilient in future economic downturns than we have in the past um, and, and, and smooth out those dips as well. So I'm, I'm very bullish on 2022. Chris began to talk about some social issues related to housing. George Floyd created a upsurge in uh, interest in diversity, inclusion, and equity like nothing I've ever seen in my lifetime. And the business community is really taking it seriously for the first time that I can remember. It has to have affected the economic development uh, community as well. Can each of you speak to uh, you know, initiatives you have around DEI, uh, how you're addressing this? You know, it's, it's important to the future of our economy and to our society. And uh, love to hear your, your thinking and uh, anything programmatically that you have focused, you're focusing on. Anyone wants to go first? Yeah, I'm happy to jump in. So you know, there's obviously been a lot uh, done in the region and the community and obviously around the state in this regard, but there's still a tremendous amount of work, Steve, as you mentioned to do. A couple of examples, um, you know, there's there's been, I think, more formative partnerships established between Black Chamber of Commerce, the, the state of Black Arizona, along with a number of the other organizations like Hispanic Chamber and what Monica's doing. And a couple of concrete examples of the work that's been conducted, you know, as we were uh, aligning our work with the state of Black Arizona, for example, is trying to grasp what kind of, of uh, impact has COVID and then the coinciding you know, economic hardship, uh, how has that affected minority-owned businesses and small business in particular? And through a partnership with Sanequa's team, we were able to develop this, uh, this report, which obviously led to a tremendous amount of dialogue and I hope more action on the needs for capital access, the needs for mentorship and small business guidance. And there's a, still a tremendous amount of work going on there. I know that the you know, state and other resources with boot camps and a variety of strategies underway, but specifically in the BIPOC community, I'll give you one example. Uh, there's a, a, a dynamic woman named Belma Trahan that, that's bringing her Millionaire Mastermind uh, Academy to the market. And she's put uh, hundreds of minority small business leaders through uh, her program with, with pretty tremendous results. And so, you know, part of it's that, part of it's, you know, we had this um, Asian business roundtable with some of the Asian leaders in the market to focus on the multicultural reception of TSMC families. So again, when you think about, you know, we're, we're uh, Vic mentioned it, we're talking thousands of new families coming to market. How can we ensure that these Taiwanese families, some of which don't speak English, some of them for the first time are moving to the United States, how can we outline and, and map out the cultural assets and ensure that you know, they have an integration moment that will pretend the other you know, Asian families coming with the supply chain uh, partners, for example. So we're trying to get ahead of a lot of these issues. I'll give you one final you know, thought here too. We've been working, and Steve, I know you have too, with one community and, and that team there with Angela and supporting local non-discrimination uh, non ordinances. You know, and, and this started years ago when we were talking about our clients wanting to see 
our market respond to non-discrimination approaches and more inclusive uh, policies around uh, these areas. And so I think we have 10 or so of those passed through local jurisdictions. You know, all of this feeds into what, you know, I believe the George Floyd moment did for, for a lot of us, for us to pause, reflect on the moment, lean into tough issues together, break down barriers that existed in our community. And, and I do think as a collaborative as we are, um, I do think we're going to come out of this much stronger, but I do believe we've got to be, as I see there's a light reflecting behind me, um, we've got to be much more intentional. And, and we must, you know, put our money where our mouth is in terms of resource investment. And, and so that's what I do believe the next few chapters of Arizona's economy in terms of inclusive economic development can require. And we're going to need champions to, to lead this conversation and, you know, be a, a stalwart supporters of it. So we're going to continue to do that as an organization and, and partner with many peers in the market. Clear, you, clearly, the universe agrees with Chris because he's got this beautiful beam of light above yeah, sorry him. About that. No, it was perfection. It was just perfect. Uh, listen, I want to hear, obviously, from Joe and Vic on the same topic as well. I also want to be mindful of your time because I know you're all extremely busy people. So about five minutes left, and I also want to make sure we have time to give a shout out to other sponsors. So Joe or Vic, what are your thoughts again around diversity, inclusion, and, and what are we working on? No, I'll, I'll just jump in real quick because I think Chris really eloquently framed it. Um, we have an opportunity. You know, we, we're sitting in a state that that's diverse in nature based on our population base. Chris said something that I picked up on. We have to be thoughtful and purposeful, though, on this. We have to really put a lot of calories to make this happen. And I can tell you, we, we've begun to lean into this with a, a lot more work ahead of us. But I mentioned our pivot playbook, which is a plan for the future. Well, there's a connecting theme that runs throughout it, uh, and that is uh, making sure that we're equitable, that we're inclusive. Uh, that, that didn't exist 10 years ago with, that, with those kind of words really driving things. And a couple examples. As I said earlier, we know that, that we, you know, we're going to have to significantly invest in our communities. And in, in Southern Arizona, we are taking a look at that investment and purposely looking to drive investment to geographies that can promote better inclusion and equity. Some areas that, that just haven't had that investment. And, and so that's, that's something very intentional between all the cities, the county, and the private sector here. This, the other thing that it, it seems simple, but it's not, it's very critical, is we're um, all in expanding our stakeholder base to better reflect who we should be in the future. So voices that in economic development, at least in Southern Arizona, haven't normally been at the table are now at the table helping define what the future looks like. And then I think it was Chris said it earlier, the last piece is connectivity for all. We, this broadband initiative that, that, that Vic talked about, I think it was really important that what, nobody's isolated. So I'll, I'll shut up with that, but very important to us. So. Perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll try to answer in like 30 seconds, three specific things. The broadband is, as um, Joe mentioned, critically important to our rural areas and our Native American communities, right? our manufacturing extension ship program and our small business programs to help our small businesses become more competitive and grow and thrive, not only in Arizona and around the world, but then also our boot camps um, for small business. We've had over 10,000 people um, attend these boot camps in the last year and a half. And it connects our, our entrepreneurs and our small business leaders with local experts to help them bring their ideas and their businesses forward to grow and thrive again. So three specific examples of how the ACA with our partners, we're working to bring more people to the table than ever have before. 
Great. Steve, I'm going to let you say a last word. But before we do that, let's give a shout out to our 2021 Tech Advocate sponsor, JDH Insights. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2021 Tech Advocate sponsor. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Visit JDHinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. Well, thank you, Karen. Uh, I just want to say a few words about uh, DEI. Uh, we have run a tech inclusion forum for uh, over four years, which uh, focuses on really tough issues around DEI, including things like racism. And uh, we've had some incredible programming uh, over the years. And uh, uh, that used to be a women in the workforce committee, but the women themselves decided to expand it to uh, be more inclusive. And uh, it, it's been spectacular. People who are trying to tackle these issues within their own organizations have been speakers. Uh, we, have a, we have a page on our website that um, uh, provides our thoughts on, on DEI. Uh, we have written many articles uh, on the subject. Uh, just like Joe, our 2022 public policy guide, you'll find uh, equity and inc inclusion through every aspect of our, uh, of our policy uh, position. So, it's, it's really an important issue to us. It's something uh, that we're really leaning in to. Uh, just so happens that the woman that I hired to run my Tucson office, uh, Carla Morales, used to uh, head the DEI initiatives for the University of Arizona. So we have some onboard expertise, if you will. And we work with the Black Chamber and both Hispanic Chambers and uh, with uh, one community and, and so on. So in fact, our our position on DEI, we ran it by those folks, right? To get outside uh, view on uh, what we were thinking. So I think it's uh, a unique opportunity in our lifetime to really make change in this, um, in this country. And from what I see, it's being driven by the business community, which is pretty cool. Well said. This uh, hour has gone by so quick, and I feel like we could have had uh, Steve and I just an hour with each one of you <laughs> and still not have covered everything. But we appreciate uh, your time and, of course, your generous spirit on behalf of Arizona community, families, and businesses, and all the great uh, direction that we're leading into right now. You've been listening to Arizona TechCast brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. If you're interested in being a podcast participant or a sponsor for the council's AZ TechCast, please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to lock in your opportunity to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, or innovator. Until next time, Karen Owicki, thank you so much for joining us on AZ TechCast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast with Arizona Technology Council, featuring leading tech and business experts that help influence and shape our great state and the industries they serve.